In this roller coaster of an episode, we dive into Susan Hillier's story. Even though Susan has always been passionate about education and being a school leader, back in 2016, she found herself in a really dark place and questioning whether or not she would continue her career as a principal. Fast forward to 2023 and Susan is living her best years in educational leadership. Join us as we look at Susan's amazing journey. G'day everyone, welcome to the Flourish Movement Podcast. I'm Bob Willits and I'm joined today by Dr. Adam Fraser. Hey Bob. Um, The topic we've got today I'm super pumped about because something I see as an external researcher is that obviously being a school leader is an incredibly fulfilling role, but it's also a role where I see a lot of negative mindsets and dysfunctional mindsets have a detrimental impact on these people's lives you know mindsets ranging from you have to be the last one to leave yeah. uh, everything hinges on you you've got to make every decision uh if you look after yourself you're selfish yeah <laughs> does this resonate with you as someone that sits in the role oh definitely i'm a victim of it myself and and it's funny through doing working on the flourish movement and having these conversations with principals all the time how tuned in you become to your own the stories thoughts and emotions that you know do drive those sort of behaviours mm. as well. So the problem with this is we see principals driving themselves into the ground in response to this and they push themselves beyond breaking point. They, they disconnect, isolate themselves, sometimes work extreme hours. Like they start thinking they can work 70, 80 hour week and they'll punch through the problem. Yeah, and the burnout that comes from that is massive. Oh, definitely. And, and it reminds me of a, a story. Uh, well, I had a conversation with the principal who was doing Flourish, and he said a number of years ago his father had died. And it came at a really busy period in the school, and he, th- he thought, you know, I ha- I'm going to deal with this later, and I'm just going to push through, I'm going to keep getting, and once I've achieved all those things, then I'll start to process m- that grief. But he said around six months later he had a complete breakdown, and he said it was, I was shoving all those emotions deep down inside, I was just focusing on activity, and it came back to bite me so hard. Yeah, so, you know, and that's what we see is they, they just work themselves into this really dark point. And so today we brought someone in who has walked that walk and reached a dark point in their career, but has been able to turn things around and find the light working in educational leadership. So today it gives me immense pleasure to introduce Susan Hillier to the Flourish Movement podcast. Welcome, Susan. Hi, Bob. So nice to be here with you again today. It's great to see you. Susan, can you just tell us a bit about your career and what you've done and how long you've done it for? So, like everybody, started off as a teacher um, and moved quite quickly through leadership positions uh, and um, just about at the end of my 38th year now uh, as a teacher, always say I'm teacher first, um, and most of that time, bar three of those years, have been in leadership positions. Um, I now have the privilege of working in other spaces uh, in leadership, but um, I still go back to my time as a principal in three primary schools and what I learnt from each of those primary schools uh, in my leadership, I became a better version of myself each time I went to the next school. Yeah, and I'm super excited because you two were so pivotal in the design and the initiation of the Flourish movement. Um, do you two want to kind of recount that story? Because it really sets up what you're going to talk about today, Susan. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd love to. And as I said, just, just knowing that we were interviewing Susan today, I was really excited about that because it does bring us full circle right back to where the Flourish Movement began and how it began and why it began. And I'm just looking at you now, remembering the day that it began, the day where we were in a network meeting together. I was sitting beside you in the meeting. Uh, we were being introduced to the latest uh, financial accountability mechanism and tool that we had to use in our school and I was sitting beside Susan and uh, all of a sudden I just noticed that she was having a full-on visceral response she started shaking tears were just streaming down her face and I took her outside onto the balcony and uh, she looked at me through floods of tears and said I'm done I think I said it I'm done Bob yeah I'm just done. done yeah and and I Said, just wait here, walked back in to get her a drink of water and opened the doors and another colleague of ours had taken the lectern, Greg Wells, who we've had on this podcast, and he said the words as I opened the door, the cavalry's not coming. And I just remember it so clearly and we went outside and, and when we broke, the whole group came out and we talked about the need for us to put some really... We're always talking about well-being and support for each other, but we felt like we needed help and needed support to actually put some real structures in place and learn more about how to do that effectively. And that day at that lunchtime, I called Adam Fraser and the Flourish Movement began from there, from that moment. But it was that moment of absolute vulnerability and sense that everyone in the room was feeling exactly the same way you were, Susan, is what sparked it. And I do remember that day really clearly because it, it was a, a response that wasn't a response from my mind. It was a physical response, mm. which was, as Bob said, um, you know, physically I was demonstrating to everybody that I wasn't okay and I was done, completely done. And that was after f- 14 years as a principal, so experienced and uh, had a wonderful school and wonderful school community. It wasn't about that. It was about the dysfunction I had uh, in my mindsets around that I needed to be all things to all people all the time. And it was another thing to get hold of, to get my head around, and there was no room left. Yeah, you just pushed beyond capacity. So obviously in this episode what we're talking about is, um, you know, the fact that you reached that point but then you're now in this beautiful space where you're really enjoying your role. And, And, you know, after that you were principal for a number of years and you know you used the things that you learnt to improve that experience can you just kind of talk us through that timeline or or what happened for you so after that um story that bob just said um went back to um uh, to school uh worked on some of the practices that i knew i needed to shift uh in terms of uh, looking after myself uh But there was still something in the way in terms of I wasn't able to uh, rise out of that place of the hopelessness of it was still incredibly difficult to do what I was doing. And what sort of action did you take from there? So that was then when we went to Flourish. Flourish had started uh, and um, the story, do you want me to tell that, Bob, or do you want to tell that, Yeah, no, go for it because I think it's really important that we do, Susan, because there was some of the – I was going to ask you about the detrimental mindsets, but in that day where you shared and built on what was happening for you, I want you to share that because Mm. what happened in the room was amazing. Well, what had happened after – 
the Calvary's not coming and then going back to school and trying to um, shift some of the practices or you know, to make certain I was looking after myself, then still feeling uh, incredibly um, hopeless about I couldn't get through what was required, we then started Flourish and on that day one of Flourish, and again I can remember it very, very clearly, of again having another physical response around and and then having the courage. It took great courage in front of, I think there was 15 of principals that I knew every one of them. I had a, a relationship with every one of them to actually speak up and say, I'm not all right. I can't do this. It's just so difficult. And that took great courage then. It was uh, a physical response that then required me to take um, a risk and speak that publicly, which I did. And yeah. then from there, Bob, do you remember what happened? Yeah, yeah. Go, well, keep going. Tell, us, <laughs> tell <laughs> us what you actually said in the room. I, 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 I shared it. It's hard to actually give the correct words, but I remember sharing that um, the effect that uh, the job was having, leadership was having on me, um, and that I couldn't seem to get out of those dysfunctional mindsets that I had around needing to be all things, needing to be on top of everything, needing to know everything, and there was no way I could show anybody that I wasn't. So to be authentic and show up and be real and actually say to anybody, I'm not all over this, I kept that to myself. And as a result of that, then, then also sharing that I, uh, way I managed that part of myself was I removed myself away from my colleagues. So I disconnected, the connections weren't, weren't there, I felt incredibly lonely and I remember that day also in that room feeling incredibly lonely even though I had my beautiful colleagues around yeah, And me. I remember you used the words and you clarified that you're not personally lonely but you're no. professionally lonely. Yeah. You made yeah. that clarification yeah. and made that point and we can always go back to that. And I do remember that and I tell the story at every group because it takes one person just to open up with that vulnerability and all of a sudden everybody goes, we can take the masks off here and we can actually share all of our authentic selves and what's really going on for us. Because when you shared that in the room, the most amazing things happened because you're an experienced principal mm. and you'd been a leader of our PPC, our Primary yep. Principals Council. Yeah, you were so well regarded. Definitely so well regarded. And when you said that, another principal in the room who never said too much sat up, John, and he said, I've been doing this job for 35 years and for the last five years, for the first time in my career... I feel like I'm not up to the job and, and I'm not capable of doing the job. And then the next guy spoke up, the was sitting next to John, and he said, and he was amazed and he just couldn't wait and he was so animated in the way he shared. I, I'm just amazed to hear this and I'm so excited because I thought it was just me. And so what? I'm a and new so principal and I felt like oh, I just... It was me and I was the problem. It was my experience was the problem. And I'm looking at you guys and you all seem so on top of it. And, and what then happened, Adam, was I think not because of me but because of all of us, it then opened up the space around psychological safety. So yeah. that was where the beginning of um, the stepping back into myself around it was safe with the people I was with to actually say how it was. And as the facilitator in the room... Yeah, obviously we designed Flourish with you guys and using your data. But when I was presenting on that first day, like we were building the plane as we were flying it. Mm. And I just went, oh man, I just don't have them. Like there's, there's a wall up between me and them. And while they're, you know, listening to the stuff I'm talking about, there just wasn't an emotional connection. And the moment you said, and I remember it so clearly, it was, you said, here's the deal. I'm so lonely. 
And you said, I'm not personally lonely, I'm professionally lonely. And then you talked about how you feel about the job and it just like, it was like a switch and everyone just kind of went, oh, maybe we can take the mask off and acknowledge that we're all struggling. Now, just in terms of the podcast, one thing about this is we get you to teach us a skill and your skill, your superpower is about, you know, understanding what drives you and controlling those narratives. So so from from that moment, I then uh, worked in the space around really getting to know myself, the psychology of myself, and that required then reflective practice. And we speak about that a lot in, mm. in our role as coach or our role as um, a, teacher. a teacher. But it's very hard to be reflective and then navigate yourself through what you're noticing about yourself and the importance of... So I couldn't facilitate if I was finding uh, and observing um you know mindsets about or behaviors about myself or thinking i then couldn't take it from the concept into the i had the experiences but i couldn't take it into the understanding so it required of me then to find somebody that could support me in that space and coach and mentor me through that and you know it's often colleagues our colleagues that we show up with because the psychological safety is there we can be authentic to say I'm stuck here or this is what's happening for me what do you notice so if we were for people listening to this if if we were to look at what were the steps you took is the first step self-awareness absolutely it is self-awareness yes that's right so being aware enough to know that what's happening physically and um, and then what's happening in, in the mind, there's a disconnection there in terms of what's going to show up and be a healthy way to be as a leader as opposed to how to do or the action to take. It, it's that reflection around how to be in leadership. Yeah, and, and self-awareness of those detrimental mindsets, the mindsets that are, they've got you in that loop. Almost and led and led to those behaviours, whatever they are, that aren't serving you. Mm. One of the uh, places of reflection for me, and this is um, we hear it often, is that uh, fake it till you make it. And I think that's a great strategy um, for uh, lots of people. For for me, it wasn't because it stopped me from showing up and being authentic. While ever I was faking that I was okay, which is the beginning of how this all began was faking I was okay until I actually had a physical response. That wasn't serving me then to be reflective. I wasn't able to be reflective because I had to fake. I couldn't be present with myself because I had to fake that I was okay. And was the faking part about proving yourself to everyone else and not being able to show vulnerability? Y- yes, it was because, you know, if we show up and and don't know how to do something – it takes great courage to be able to reach out or to say to those that you're leading, your, your teachers or your APs, that uh, I don't know how to do this. I'm not quite sure of the outcome or the result of this uh, because we need to be all things to all people. So it's ca- it was catching myself around those mindsets. And I definitely had you know, two, two very clear ones. One was around approval, needing the approval of everybody. The other one was around pleasing. I needed to please all people. And as soon as I understood because of the reflective uh, practices that I'd been doing, realised that those were places that I got completely stuck in. When I needed to please everybody, of course I couldn't please everybody as a leader. God, no wonder you were burning out. Yeah. Yeah. Approval and pleasing. Yeah. 
Man, that's exhausting. They're so common though, because they, like I was just when you said approval, then I was just wondering whether or not it was approval, but also approval in the sense of being a leader that's on top of it and being capable. Yeah, that's right. I once heard Brene Brown say this beautiful line of, "Yeah, we're often surrounded by a million cheap seats, and everyone has an opinion." And when I heard her say that, I said, "I just went. There is no job more that has more cheap seats around it than being a principal, whether it's the." The community, whether it's the parents, you know, your peers, other leaders. I mean, yeah, because with that approval piece and pleasing piece, it's almost impossible to achieve, isn't it? It is impossible. And that was the point I reached when, when I took that in deeply. It became, it was, in, not it became, it was impossible to please everybody. Everything changed. So... Obviously, if we're looking at the steps on this, the first step is that self-awareness. Can I understand the narratives that I have that don't serve me, that hook me into dysfunction like overworking, uh, pushing yourself beyond your limits? So self-awareness is the first piece. And what I'm hearing is courage to be vulnerable is the second piece of whether it's to your school that you illustrated before, whether it's to your peers like you did in that session. What is the importance of, of, of vulnerability? Is it that that it allows that connection? Because one thing you said is in your pursuit of trying to get approval and please, you withdrew and you were isolated and you were lonely. Like was that stepping out in front of your colleagues and being vulnerable why was that step so important? Well, it was um, being seen for for who Susan was and what yeah. Susan was showing up on that particular day or any any day. But what it did for me was it created then a reciproc- reciprocal around um, others uh, able to be psychologically safe with me, yeah. which then created the relational trust. And once the relational trust was there... We were able to keep sharing. It didn't matter what role I moved into, um, you know, whether I stayed as principal or in the other roles that I took. Uh, relational sh- trust meant that we were able to continue to be psychologically sh- safe and show up, which then gave me the, the confidence to be able to show up and be, this is, this is just who I am. This, yeah. is, this is how I be, which then allowed me the, then to relax because I became confident I was more relaxed. When I was more relaxed, I was able to be present. When I was present, I was able to hear when I was with someone else. And when I was able to hear, I was able to hold space. And that psychological safety for someone to hold space for me created the relational trust. And then results and outcomes took care of themselves. So anything that we were working on together, whether it was colleague or in a role of Dell or PSL, I was able to then to be able to stay with that person and them with me because I was present, which then led me on into being of service. So showing up in whatever I was doing to say, how can I help you as opposed to this is my agenda, this is the outcome I want. And that came because I became relaxed. I became relaxed because I was confident. I was confident because I was safe. I was safe because I was authentic and could share. I could share and, and, and be authentic because I had the courage. And that's really the, and then through that process was all of that self-reflection that, that keeps happening now, every day, self-reflecting about how I show up. Gosh, Bob, I'm going to need like 10 years to just to 
unpack oh, no, that's, <laughs> what was just said then. There's so there much so to much that, that for you. Can I build on that just from the yeah. from the perspective of impact on others? Because having been in the room when that all played out, as I've talked about, everybody felt that they could take their masks off in that moment. And then time and time again in, in programs, we hear this sense of all of people have this sense of collective permission to take care of themselves, collective permission to be vulnerable. And how that plays out in, in the groups just definitely builds that psychological safety and authenticity, which, is, which leads to the growth. Without that, you can't actually put the strategies in place to address whatever the issues are and leads to growth. And that, that Bob, can happen as principles with our leadership teams. So when we have our leadership teams and we're having conversations together and also separately, it's about how we as principals model that to our team members. Yeah. Because remembering our role is, as principals is to coach and support. We talk about being good role models, but role models is also around how we model psychological safety, how we model courage, mm. um, uh, taking risks, showing up and being authentic. Yeah. So it's that how we how we show up as principals, and then the relationships and how we interact with our not just colleague principal fr- um, colleagues, but our um, leaders that we're trying to uh, impact and influence. You've mentioned self reflection a number of times. What is your understanding of that, or how would you define that for people listening to this? So self reflection for me uh, is around making certain that I uh, am present. You can't, I can't self-reflect. I can't reflect about myself if I'm not present with myself. And when I'm present, I'm able to witness myself. So at the same time, because I know what's coming out of my mouth, I know uh, how I feel, I can see what's happening with the person in front of me or the group that I'm with. So self-reflection comes as a commitment because that's where the growth happens. But it's also understanding what's happening physically at the same time as what's happening in the mind, so those um, self-talk that's happening. And the reflection can only really happen in the quiet space when we're distracted with too many um, things happening. So we talk, I've heard in our other podcasts, um, uh, some of those tools where principals are having time out of their day to actually sit and be quiet. Well, it's in those quiet spaces where reflection comes up you can't reflect while we're thinking about other things is there something you do to get that quiet or was there a period where you took took time away like did you ever take extended time away to really start to understand what drives you what's the narrative what's going on yes i did need to um give myself permission to be able to have some time away for myself and I, um, I did some some great walking and in, in because I needed to leave um, uh, just school for a, a, a short period of time and any of us can do that whether it's walking at the beach or walking in nature or walking down the road it doesn't have to be to go away but for me I needed to have some time away where all of the um, clutter in my head and all of that self-talk that was happening, I couldn't find space to move that to be reflective. So yeah. I did. I, I, I walked for some time and, and you know, I, I used the words that I walked back into myself. So the walking became meditative, which meant the mind stopped, which meant I could be present with the birds and things that I was hearing as I was walking. 
which mean, meant that I could then, things just came up as, wow, look at that about myself. It's like an active mindfulness kind of Yeah, because when you say walking, do you mean like hiking? Yes, I was hiking. Where, 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 where did you go? I went, uh, needed to go to uh, Spain and walk the Camino. And again, that's extreme. Doesn't mean anyone don't need to do that sort of thing. But for me, I needed to do something that was extreme because I was in some extreme um, places in my mind in terms of what I was wanting to do with my career. Um, yeah, and that quietness quieten me gave down. you that insight. Yep, quieted me down and I had a good friend say to me, Susan, you can't make decisions when there's clutter and, and mind chatter going on in, in your head. You need to clear your head. And we hear that as really good um, strategy. So some people can clear their head quickly, surfing or uh, going to the gym. I couldn't, I couldn't do that for myself. And so I needed to take something a bit more drastic. But yeah, so we talk about self-awareness. That. You had the awareness of I just need to remove myself from my normal environment yep. and get some clarity. Yep. To be self-reflective, to understand what was the truth about what was really happening for myself. Yeah. Okay, so if we start to map this out, we've got self-awareness is the most important part, starting to understand yourself, what drives you, what's going on. The courage to be vulnerable. And embracing that vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. And really like connecting with others and building those relationships. And then the third thing I'm hearing is, like self-reflection, but is it – it's almost like constant self-reflection, isn't it? It is because then the witnessing happens when it just hap- – it becomes just a natural thing that, that switches back on. So that's what I'd lost for a long time was just the awareness around what was really happening for myself. So it, uh, this self-awareness because it became practised, so I would take time out each day or if I was walking – to practice about what what went well today, what did yeah. I notice about myself, even better if or 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 someone gave me some feedback about uh, how things went today or how I was feeling about myself, and so for myself I began to feel more confident. Then I relaxed, and you noticed the change Absolutely. again because of that self awareness space. You're noticing change. Others notice the change in me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's almost like a circular piece here. Sorry, I'm putting this together as we talk about it. We start with self-awareness of – because most people don't. Like people are scared out of their mind to actually look inside because if they don't like what they find, they, they could freak them out. Well, that's where the growth is. Yeah. So, so that's the first piece of that intention to start to understand yourself and those narratives. The courage to be vulnerable, to get support, to get insights from others, to have that connection – and then what you're talking about is self-reflection, either on a big scale of, man, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't even think straight, I need to remove myself, or the daily self-reflection, whether it's journaling, whether it's, yeah. you know, I suppose even like a coach, the, the, the presence of a coach is self-reflection. They're getting you to think about why did you do that, what was going on for you. And I think the self-reflection is also the positive thing. So what showed up for me once I relaxed and my mind was relaxed is that what showed up for me was my strengths. So I'd lost what my strengths were. I'd forgotten what, what it was that was deeply um, innate in me in terms of how I was. And one is, it was always about service. My mother would say, I was always of service. As a little girl, I used to go into her and say, Mummy, do you want a cup of tea? I could see she was upset. Yeah, yeah. 
So it's it's the reflection in not what's just dysfunctional, but the reflection in where the strengths are and to move in that space of where the strengths are as well. Right, so it's not just I'm reflecting on <laughs> how screwed not, up I yeah, am. No, this, this is reflecting <laughs> what's lovely about me. Yeah. This is what's really um, really effective about me. And, and here, like a hint of curiosity of, <laughs> wow, like why did I react like that? Or wow, why did... Uh, why did that trigger such a big response? Oh, look, I bumped into that again, that approval piece. Wow, I thought I'd worked through that piece, but here it is there again. I bumped into it again. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about curiosity is it's it, it removes the judgment. And I remember when COVID hit, like I had a proper breakdown. You know, I, I was useless for a period of time. And what I was trying to do in that moment was, wow, you are, I was almost watching myself going, you are freaking out here. You've never, you've never been this low or you've never done this. Why is this affecting you so much? So is that curiosity and almost playfulness with your mind where you're kind of watching it? That's, well, that's the witnessing of it. Yeah. Being curious about, you know, where, where has this come back up from? I thought I'd work through that piece. Um, it, it, is, it is a reminder, though, that we're human. So it's, it's, we talk about leadership, but we're actually human first. And it's mm. the way we come in our humanness in leadership is the way to be. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember that, that period as well. And I was just thinking as you were speaking then that, that one of the common features of that sense of vulnerability is articulating that vulnerability, articulating what's going on for you to someone. Like when we had that conversation and even when you were talking before, Susan, about the need for approval and Adam and I had had a conversation, I had that same voice in my head talking about that, that, that approval and Adam told me the Brene Brown story and said, what I want you to do is get a post-it note and write down the names of people who you really respect and really um, value their opinions on whatever it is. And you write three or four names on there and that's the people. You, you, mm. you shut out all the rest of the noise. And so that's a really definite strategy to, mm. to narrow that focus. So I want to circle back, Susan, to not just the impact on you of the things that you've spoken about now, that courage to be vulnerable, that reflection, that, that sense of holding space. How, how do you think it's impacted on, on the people you lead, other principals, colleagues, yep. staff? So- I mean, the truth of that is um, I can only go on what I see from the other, what I think it's to be on the other side of Susan. But really the question, that, that type of question is a feedback question for others. But this is how it felt for me when I'm working, this is how it feels for me when I'm working with others, is that there's a sense of uh, calmness when I'm with other people. So there brings a nice um, sense of non-judgment. So I don't feel, I, I know I'm not judging because I'm present. And because of that mindset is that we're on all on the leadership journey together. We're all trying to be better every day. And that I know that I am actually influencing others that I work along with because people will tell me, oh, I hadn't considered that or I hadn't thought about that or thank you for that great insightful sentence or um, thank you for those questions that allowed me to find you know, those answers for myself. So what's happened uh, because I'm now relaxed and confident present um, very fulfilled and happy uh, I think that just shows up in when I come in to be with anybody it, it's not hard it's just a nice easy relaxed conversation we always get to the end of what our time together with the outcome or a result even though mm. I didn't have the agenda to come in with I have to step into the space in response to what you 
how you respond to that question because through Susan's progression and career progression out of doing what all the things she's talked about, she ended up as my line manager as Adele. And in that space, <laughs> oh, this could get you know, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But all of the principals who were in the, in the network who had you as our leader, that's exactly what we were speaking about with you. And, and I can tell you as you, as my line manager, that when you showed up in the school, there was a sense of joy. There was a sense of trust. There was a sense of openness and authentic vulnerability. And I honestly would believe that talking to everybody who you were their line manager, that you got better insights into what was actually happening in the school because what you did all those years ago created this immense sense of trust and psychological safety so we could share with you there was no smoke and mirrors there was no leave the mask on and pretend you're all on top of everything there was a authentic we will tell you in the moment what's really going on for us and what our real challenges are that we want you to help with thanks bob that's nice um but i think adam really what um bob's saying from that is that um whatever role we any of us were in when we were together, whether it was Dell, principal, principal colleague, PPC, PPA, whatever, it was just what had been created was a sense of trust that didn't matter what role you were, what position, where you were, you could show up and just be who you were and accepted for who you were. And that was the beauty of the flourish, what flourish did for all of us that one day that there was courage to show up, be authentic. And, you know, the this, this sort of steps in the journey that we've sort of walked through today, that's the key message here is start by having the courage to show up yeah. and be authentic and just, just watch what happens. Yeah, that's amazing. So, all right, if we start to wrap this up, we've talked about these three steps of self-awareness, that courage to step into exploring what are my narratives what do I say to myself what are what are some things that are untrue that have a lot of control over me the courage to be vulnerable to connect with others that allow you to build that trust that relationship and also in terms of um, learn about yourself from others as well and then the last piece is that consistent self-reflection whether it's taking time out to really understand who you are or I need to reduce the chatter as well as that almost daily self-reflection of, yeah, okay, why did I snap at that person? Or why, why am I, you know, taking on this when I shouldn't really be doing this work? So it's those three steps that are almost circular because they feed, because the more self-reflection you do, the more self-awareness you have. Yep. And then the outcomes are you become more confident, more present, less judgmental, more joy and happiness and fulfillment comes into your, your day-to-day work. It's not a bad little thing, is no, it? No, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Is there anything either of you want to say about, you know, those three steps? I, I think I was uh, talking to Bob um, you know, not so long ago saying that I would never have thought that day when I spoke up at Flourish and spoke up at PPA or PPC meeting that I'd be finishing my career and I finish in a couple of years in such a joyful, happy, contented and fulfilled space. I was ready to leave. Mm. I was ready I was ready to go. Um, and so this is beyond my wildest dreams, what I thought would happen. But the benefit has been in my personal life, so I'm so much better now. I show up uh, so much more as a, a parent, as, an, as, a, as a partner as well. So, you know, it's benefit and, and great thanks to Flourish and to my colleagues that supported me. 
I have a question to just about that. Is do you do you feel as though all of that cyclical process is also constantly aligning you with your sense of purpose and bringing you back to your core sense of moral purpose? It does, Bob, and absolutely spot on. It is my north star. It's brought me back to um, you know we're all here to serve, and we're here to serve kids first, uh, and then serve those adults that want to be the best people in front of our our kids, and by serve. Coming in to serve kids, serve serve the adults, whether they're parents or leaders, that's the joy. That's the joy in the job. So almost you could say that that process has arrived you at, oh, and I don't want to cheapen this in any way by well, referring the light. to it I've as your to why. The light. I've come yeah. back into the yeah. light, the yeah. light of Susan, the light. Yeah. yeah. And as you're saying, you're enjoying the job more than you ever have. And also, you know, what we know is you were more successful in that job too because you went to bigger yeah. schools, you got promotions. That's right. yep. And it's a real sort of you, – you're really describing the hero's journey here where you go from really down and out all the way through to you know a state that you've never been better in. Well, it's that beautiful um, Marianne Williams poem that talks about um, you know not making yourself little and small. It's about actually standing in the light and shining. Yeah, perfect. Well, I think that's an excellent way to finish. Oh, Bob, is there anything you want to say? But that- oh, just that it's been a joy to have you, Susan, yeah, and I, I'm you. just so grateful to have you here and, and and to that you've to have walked this journey by and large with you. You know, right yeah, from that open sense of vulnerability, and that you've just had a, an immense impact on my career as well. And and through the coaching and the reminders to always come back to this core purpose and intent of what we do and why we do it has just been you know really helpful to me and and i know i can speak on behalf of everyone who has worked with you that it's just been wonderful so oh, thanks shucks. for being thanks. here <laughs> oh there's a group hug no, after absolutely all. A group <laughs> hug. all right thanks Thank everyone you. for listening and i'm sure you took a lot from that so we'll see you in the next podcast episode thank you very much what a special interview that was often when you find yourself deep under it's hard to see a way out But what Susan has taught us is that it is possible to come out the other side happier, stronger, and more confident than ever. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. See you next time.